Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. Chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Again, Isaac, just great song. Really, just appreciate that so much. Makes me want to play guitar. How many of you can play guitar? Adam, of course, Adam can play guitar. That's good. Uh, Jeff, what do you play? Dabble at the piano. <laughs> Do you have another instrument that you play? I didn't even start. <laughs> Travis is like, after the first point, he does that. Good <laughs> uh, old Weston. Good old Weston. Weston uh, just turned three, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. And uh, Will is going to be? Seven in April. Seven in April. All right. All right. So, um, so okay. So, 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 excuse us for having a conversation here. Um, so, <laughs> guitar, right? And, oh, piano. And anything else? The accordion. I feel a polka coming on. <laughs> That's terrific. That's good. All right. So Mark chapter 10. We're going to pick up really on, on the theme. This is, this is like a watershed moment for me this week in going over the, these things. Last week we talked about uh, service. And um, the theme for the month is going for a crown. That you wonderfully mentioned in that song. Going for a crown. We got one shot at life, and we want to make it count. I remember before I got saved, thinking, you got one shot at life, you got to make it count. This is just, it's, it's so simple, it's so clear. I think a lot of people just don't think along those lines, for whatever reason. I don't think along those lines. As Christians, we got one shot at life. And we want to make it count. We want to make it, when we stand before the Lord, no regrets. Now, we're all sinners saved by grace. There'll be no pride. I'm going to talk about perfection across the plains because this would be an empty auditorium if we expected perfection from everybody. But the idea of living aggressively for Christ, and I mean that in a good way, just, just proactively, willing to serve, undeterred by circumstances they may come up, distractions they may come up. We're going for a crown. We want to finish well. We want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear more than anything else. Nothing else will matter on that day other than what he says about us. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. So the, today's message I've, I've titled, Our Service is Our Glory. I really think this is the answer to so many things in uh, uh, duct tape, please, row seven. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I'm one of 13. This is like a non-issue for me. 
I'm, I'm number eight. There are ten boys and three girls. I'm the seventh son. I was born on Friday the 13th, which doesn't mean anything, but you may think explains a few things. Um, so we were just... I mean, our, we never sat down to eat at a table where you just, you know, you put all the food on the table and you eat like, you know, like normal people. We would get our trays and feed at the trough on the stove and go sit down and eat and, you know, buy your, and you'd eat quick so you can get seconds, and that's what I always did. Um, but our service is our glory. This is really, it's such a, a mind-blowing, simple concept. A lot of times, uh, if you're like me, you have highs and lows in life. We all have them. We all have them. It doesn't matter if you're an introvert, an extrovert, melancholy, sanguine. It doesn't matter. We all have our highs and our lows. And I really find that the key to unlocking the lows, because when you get in a low, it's kind of like, oh, you know, and it could be spiritually, it could be emotional, it could be a lot of things. But, and I'm not saying simplistically an answer for everything, but what I find in my Christian life is if I, un, if I open up the door of service, that low that I had disappears. Why? Now, simply speaking, somebody has once said, expression is the opposite of depression, which is, I think makes a lot of sense. There's Christian psychologists who said that. Expression is the opposite of depression, but also on a, on a higher level, we're, we're brought again to Mark chapter 10. Read along with me to verses 32 through 45. We see... Why did Jesus come? He made us, we're, we're made to walk in his steps, we're made in the image of God. So it makes the most sense if, very simply speaking, what did he do? And we find out what he did, well, that's what we're supposed to do. In Mark chapter 10, 32 through 45, the Bible says, and they were in the way going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus uh, went before them, and they were amazed. Uh, and as they followed, they, they were afraid. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And they shall mock him and shall scourge him and shall spit upon him and shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. Which absolutely amazes me that they would say it at this time, but they did. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? They said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit, one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand, in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, You shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and, be, and with the baptism that I am baptized with, with all shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. And Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege that is ours to be in your house on this Lord's Day. 
We're so thankful, Lord, to know that we have the Word of God with us. It has not failed, it has not been degraded, but Lord, you preserved it, you inspired it, and we have it with us to this very day. We're just so thankful for that. We pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit of God would be the primary mover in our hearts and in our minds today, that we'd understand the things that are freely given to us of God, and that, Lord, we'd respond readily to the things that you reveal to us. Lord, may we always be receptive and responsive to the things that you give to us. Father, we pray that uh, you'd find us faithful in all things. And Lord, help us, Lord, to, to serve you with joy. And uh, Lord, to count these moments as wonderful opportunities that, that are ours to cherish. Lord, we ask that you'd, you'd bless the service today. And Lord, as always, if there's anyone here that have not yet repented of their sin and trusted Christ to be their personal Savior, Lord, we pray that this would be the day of salvation. We hold up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for this time together. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Our service is our glory. People talk about retirement. I mean, retirement's good. You can reach a point where you don't have to work so hard anymore, and, you know, that's great. I don't ever want to stop. It'll stop completely. I, mean, I wouldn't mind golfing a little bit more. But if that, I mean, honestly, if people want to retire to golf. I mean, that's nuts. Don't you think it is? I mean, that's, that's my life. I want to work really, really hard so that someday I can sit down and do nothing. <laughs> Are you crazy? That doesn't make any sense. Our services are glory. We need to be thankful for the opportunities in the phases of life that we can serve in whatever capacity God gives us to serve in. But our services are glory. It is why we're here. For even the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, higher than any royalty or leader could ever be, could ever hope to be, was Jesus Christ. And he came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I found it to be the answer for so many things. And I, I find this, there are times over the years when people come and they ask me, you know, what do you think about this or what do you think about that? And I have a certain issue going on. What do you think I should do? And what I really think the key to a lot of our, our dilemmas that we, that we have, and, and I, I don't mean to speak too simply or paint with too broad a brush, but when we get out of our own arena and help get in someone else's arena to help them, we find a lot of the confusion and din and that, that, that kind of static of life. You know, you, you, nothing's really wrong, but we're just not really tuned in. That static of life, it, it really dissipates when we get involved in doing the things that Christ would have us to do, which is to serve one another. So we sit home, and if you're like me, you've had your pity, pity party days. Have you ever had one of those? We all have. We all have. And I don't mean to speak lightly of them. I'm not speaking lightly of them by any means. But when we find, well, what can I do for others? If a man wants friends, he must first show himself friendly. Somebody once said, and I, I, I love this statement, I slept and dreamt that life was joy. I awoke and saw that life was service. I acted and behold, Service was joy. We find our greatest sense of satisfaction in serving others. Jesus did it. The first thing we see is service. It brings the greatest joy. The greatest joy, especially when we realize what we're doing. Sometimes, and there's incidents in Scripture, we don't have time to get to all of them, where people, they don't realize the importance of what they do when they're doing it. And Scripture's filled with it. But boy, when you realize 
And we, we have that presence of mind, that center of balance that says, this is really important. I'm so thankful to be doing it. It brings incredible joy. I, I can't tell you how many times, of course, we go door to door quite a bit. Last year or so, has not been quite as regular, so we're going to tune that up. And just we, we blame it on COVID. It probably just comes down to laziness. But, uh, but going door to door, we've done the entire city's connected, the, I don't know, 12 times. Mike counts, but he used to count votes for Joe Biden, so you got to watch that. Uh, but like 12 times, right? He, we've done Cities Connected. So a lot of times you're out there, it's like, what are you doing? Well, same thing I do every Saturday. You walk up to another door, maybe you talk to somebody, you leave someone on the door. And, uh, but boy, there's so many times where I'm thinking, God, I don't know who this next door is going to be. And we'll have a, a track or something. I, I don't know if I have any up here. I got something up here. I'll give him a bulletin. Here's a bulletin for you folks. Go up to the door and, and say, I'm Pastor Horn from Lighthouse Baptist Church. Of course, you would use your name. Um, but I just want to let you know we're here. And, uh, and here's, a, here's a track. And, and if you can, go further. But if not, at least you got a track in their hands. And that's, that's really good. To, to know that that encounter, if you're doing it on a regular basis, it's common. You do it all the time, right? But you don't know when that's going to be the moment of encounter that's going to change someone's destiny. It's incredible. So for us, it may seem familiar. It may be. But service is where it brings the greatest joy. Turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 12. We're going to look at a few different scriptures today. I'm not going to keep you too long. This may be the shortest sermon you've ever heard. I'd like to get your hopes up before crashing them on the rocks below. It will not be a long service. But Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 43. They're building the wall. They've made incredible progress. In a very short period of time, this, the, 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 the administration, the logistic support and, and direction under Nehemiah by God was amazing. They built that wall in record time against really crazy circumstances. I mean, you had your Sandblatt, your Tobiah, all these wicked people running around threatening you and cursing you and saying, oh, if, if you build that wall, even a fox could knock it down. It's not going to mean anything. So they're demeaning what you're doing. But what happened was, in Nehemiah 12, 43, it says, also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy, the wives also and the children rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. Why? They got the job done. It wasn't just the wall, but it, it's what it meant. It's, it's reestablishing Jerusalem. It had been just a, 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 a trash heap. Walls broken out, disarray, chaos, no protection. They said, no, 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 no. This is, this is God's city. And we're going we're gonna to treat it right. We're going to build this wall. We're going to get it together. And man, now looking at the task, you'd say, wow, that's a lot of work. And a lot of people would say, I don't want to get involved. That's a lot of work. Somebody else says, are you kidding me? This is going to be terrific. There's nothing more important we can get involved in right now. And when the job was done, they were thrilled because they were involved in the work. It's service. Our service is our glory. It's what gives us value. Now, this is just from a secular perspective. It's been said that men get their sense of value from the work that they do, right? And, uh, and women, somewhat, they're a little bit different. Women are a little bit different. <laughs> I'm glad they're different. In fact, women are very different. Uh, but men get your sense of, we get our sense of, uh, of value from the work that we do. 
So when work's going well, you feel terrible about things. When work's going great, you feel great about things. It's just, there's a connection. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm just saying that's where they say men get a lot of their, their value from. Well, we ought to, when it comes to serving the Lord, get our sense of, a sense of value, not our only sense of value, a sense of value from the work we do because God has allowed us to be part of a wonderful work. It's not our only sense of value because otherwise, if you were restricted from serving, you might feel like, who am I? When, when we, are, we are beloved, if we've trusted Christ as Savior, we've asked God to forgive us for our sin, we trusted Christ because of his, his death on the cross was the final payment for the sins of the whole world. And we came to that point where we said, God, please forgive me. I trust Jesus Christ my Savior. I am a sinner, and I need a Savior. I'm asking you to please forgive me. Jesus, I want you as my Savior. The Bible says we are accepted and beloved. You may not feel like it sometimes. It may not seem like it other times, but it is a, an accomplished fact. And so, so that's, that's our bedrock. But after that, once, once we've gotten that down, service, it brings us the greatest joy. There's a saying, I saw on someone's wall in a cubicle, and it said, um, I believe in luck, and I believe it goes around looking an awful lot like hard work, right? So I'm going to transform that a little bit to a little more biblical perspective. I believe in blessing, but I believe it goes around looking an awful lot like hard work. Serving God. I believe in serving God, but it also goes around looking a lot like hard work. And it does. You know, we're just, we're just workers for the Lord. Worker bees, it may be. Unprofitable servants, the Bible says. You know, it's service. It's what gives us the joy, the greatest joy. It, it, if we're ever in the spot where we're restricted from doing anything, that's where we feel like, ah, this, this is no good. And we're right. It is no good. Now, if, if, if it's against if it's above our capability to respond to, that's where God has us, and we need to thank him and, and, and build up on our prayer life and our Bible reading, whatever it may be. But it all comes down to service. Service is so incredibly important. And what happens to a Christian when they don't serve? Lethargy, apathy, we're, not, we're, we're just not functioning. What happens to a, to a person when they sit in a chair all day and they never get up and walk around? Well, you get weak, and your muscles do this and that, and we're made to move. Interesting uh, example, it kind of backs this up. You may know this guy, uh, Unamuno. Unamuno? I never heard of him either. Unamuno. I have no idea if I'm even pronouncing that right. He's a Spanish philosopher, and he tells about the Roman aqueduct at Segovia in in his native Spain. It was built in 109 AD. For 1800 years, it carried cool water from the mountains to the hot and thirsty city. Nearly 60 generations of men drank from its flow. Then came another generation, a recent one, who said, this aqueduct is so great a marvel that it ought to be preserved for our children as a museum piece. We shall relieve it of its century-long labor. They did. They laid modern iron pipes. They gave the ancient bricks and mortar a reverent rest. And then the aqueduct began to fall apart. The sun beating on the dry mortar caused it to crumble. The bricks and stone sagged and threatened to fall. What ages of service could not destroy, idleness disintegrated. Amazing. We're we're made to serve. We are made to serve. 
And I, I'm not trying to push this into type A personality all the time, but it's, it, it, it brings a luster to our lives. And it brings, so the second point is it brings the abundant life. And uh, the, the, just a couple points on here that I want to think about is, uh, point us to is full service. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, one of the reasons the Holy Spirit is given to believers is to empower us for service, to empower us for service. Um, I'll just read a couple verses. 2 Corinthians 9.2 says, For I know the, for, the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Their zeal, their readiness to serve. It provoked, it was an encouragement to so many people. Uh, if you want to, you can turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. Service, it, it, it brings, it makes life rich. Rich. Oh, it's, it's terrific. It's, it's, it's wonderful to, to serve. 2, Peter, 2 Timothy 2.21, If a man therefore purge himself from these, talking about things that would distract and weigh us down, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. Now watch, watch what the end result is. Sanctified and meet or ready for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. So the goal is never to be pristine, get everything together and you know, stay home and just meditate on how, how good God is. It's good to meditate on how good God is, but he wants us to be involved. And this is where service comes in. And so if you find yourself ever going through maybe dry spots in life, ask yourself, what can I do for him? What can I do? The church is a great place to find out things to do. Um, you could ask us. We'd be more than happy to find out areas of service, but yeah, I just want to be busy. Why? Because we got one shot at this thing called life. One shot. Want to make it count. I shared with you, I think a couple weeks ago, um, shortly after I got saved, I thought, well, I got one shot at this thing called life, which I'm thankful. I've kind of had that in my mind for like forever. I got one shot at this thing called life. What is a, would be a really cool thing to do with my life? And so, of course, like many of you, I thought flying an F-15 would be terrific. <laughs> and I did. So I said, oh, that sounds like a great idea, I told myself. It wasn't quite like that, but... Then I went down to Lee O'Brien building, tried to sign up for naval pilot program, and, and as I told you, my hearing wasn't so sharp. <laughs> Shocker. Um, so I couldn't be a naval pilot. But this idea of what can I do? What can I do? It's a wonderful blue sky opportunity God gives us. Now, we can't do anything. You might say, hey, I want to be president of the United States and just drive on down to Washington, D.C. Well, it's, it's, there's more to it than that. There's not every single opportunity that is ours to have, but in the area of service to God, it's, what do you want me to do? I got one shot at this thing called life, and I believe with all my heart there's a judgment seat of Christ. I believe with all my heart there's going to be a day when I'm going to stand before you, Lord, and I want to hear, not for my glory, but for your honor. Well done, thou good and faithful. That's what I want. So, Lord, what can I do? Our service is our glory. It's it, it, it's how we respond to the, to, the, to, to the nurturing of the Holy Spirit. It's how we respond to the instruction of the Word of God. Our service is our glory. Now, there are some cases of half-hearted service. So it brings us incredible joy. It really does. It brings us incredible joy. Some the best days in my life, 
I have a lot of Saturdays. I kind of, that, that's a perfect day. I get up in the morning, and it's, and it's just a really good productive day. Knocking on doors, some things on church, some visits, phone calls, get ready for Sunday. It's like clicking. Now I have a lot of days that are kind of like that, but Saturdays seem to stand out. I love those days. So you have, you have joy that you get from service, and you know what it's like. You teach a Sunday school class. You, you get into an area that maybe you're uncomfortable getting into at first, but once you do it, it's like, so glad I did that. Then there's half-hearted service. And this is a, I want to bring another illustration. This is just another great story, uh, similar to the first one. It's, it says, the great violinist Niccolo Pagnini willed his marvelous violin to Genoa, the city of his birth, but only on the condition, and you know where this is going, that it never be played upon again. It was an unfortunate condition that he made because it is a peculiarity of wood that as long as it's used and handled, it shows little wear. As soon as it's discarded, it begins to, de to decay. The exquisite mellotone violin had become worm-eaten in its beautiful case, valueless except as a relic, the moldering instrument is a reminder that a life withdrawn from all service to others loses its meaning. And it, and it really does. It does. And again, I don't want to say all meaning because we have value just as God loves us. And, and, I, and I do want to temper this just a little bit. We should never find our ultimate sense of worth simply in the things that we do. We really shouldn't. Because what happens if you're restricted from doing those things, and then we'd find no sense of value. We have value because God loves us. Absolute value, and it can't be taken away. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. If you've trusted Christ as Savior, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Not things present, not things future, not, not angels, not demons. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, which is the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. But after that point settled, then there's just such rewarding value and in, in following on with the, with the direction of the Lord and in, in the light of his word and in serving him. And, you know, there's so many examples we could look to. And just, just think about Jonah. You know, talk about reluctant service. Sometimes we serve reluctantly, right? We do. Do I really have to do that today? Have you ever thought like that? <laughs> sure you have. I'm mean, just assuming you have. I mean, you don't call me up and tell me that. But I'm sure there's days it's like, oh, do I really have to do this today? Jonah was an example of a reluctant servant. Now, you know the story of Jonah. He's called to go to Nineveh, which I agree with Jonah. Let it fall. I mean, I can understand. Destroy that city, okay? Because they're bad people. They're going to do bad things to your country. But that's, that wasn't his call. God said, go to Nineveh and preach to Nineveh or I'm going to destroy it. And Jonah said, I don't really want to go. He was a reluctant prophet. God used the details. He tried to get away on a ship. And he really was swallowed by a whale. He really was swallowed by a whale. There's an 1861 incident. People say, oh, that can never happen. Oh, yes, it can. And in 1861, there's an, an article called The Cruise of the Cachalot. And it just talks about a whaling vessel and uh, stormy seas. And they harpoon this whale. And one of the men fell off. They figured, oh, he's, he's just gone. And then they haul the whale up on, on the deck the next day, and a couple days later they cut it open, and they see the stomach convulsing. And it's this sailor, true story, that had fallen over, swallowed whole by the whale. And he, when he came out, he, had, he was crazy with fear. He wasn't crazy because the circumstance in the whale's belly was going to kill him. He actually could have survived for a while, but 
I think we can empathize with him. That's a pretty scary thing. He was swallowed whole by a whale. Jonah was swallowed whole by a whale. God had caused the whale to spit him up on the land. He goes in the city, preaches. And the people actually repent at the preaching of this reluctant prophet called Jonah. And Jonah's upset about it. He wants the city destroyed. So Jonah missed out on a blessing. God's will was still accomplished, but God used a reluctant servant at this time. Sometimes we can be the reluctant servant. We don't want to be like a Jonah. I mean, how many of you have named your kids Jonah? You have a son. What are you going to name him? I think I'll name him Jonah. That or Manasseh. One or the other, right? You'll never do it. Not in a million years. How about Judas? Yeah, there's a good name. We'll name him Judas. You're not going to name Jonas, Jonah. You're not going to name Judas. You're not going to name Manasseh. Why? Because what happened? Jonah was a reluctant prophet. And he, 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 God got his way anyway. And the last point I want to leave you with, and again, it's just such an important, simple, profound point. Our services, our glory. It, it unlocks the key. It, it breaks that, that isolation mode that we sometimes put ourselves in. What can I do for somebody else? Service. Lastly, it brings the empowered life. Um, one last illustration for today. I came across a bunch of them on service. Yeah, you've heard of uh, General William Booth, Salvation Army. It said, uh, David Uggsberger tells of General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, who had lost his eyesight. His son, Bramwell, was given the difficult task of telling his father there would be no recovery. Do you mean that I am blind, the general said? I hear we must contemplate that, his son replied. The father continued, I shall never see your face again? No, probably not in this world, Bramwell said. General Booth said, I have done what I could for God and for his people with my eyes. Now I shall do what I can for God without my eyes. Wow, that's, I have to admit, I think I'd be a lot more melancholy than he was. It'd take me a little while to, to pull up my boots and get going again. But boy, I, I totally respect that, res- that response. You know what? I'm limited. With the limitations that I have, I'm going to serve God with what I have. Because we're never held accountable for what we didn't have. But we are held accountable for what we did have. And I just want to wind up. Turn with me to Acts chapter 9. We're going to look at two verses. We're going to close. Opportunities. There are some people in Scripture, when they got the, had the opportunity of serving Christ, it was like the best thing in the world. And they knew it. Now, it always is, for any one of us, the best thing in the world to serve Christ. It's really the best thing in the world. Sometimes we don't realize. Sometimes like, ah, oh, you kidding me, I got to do this again. But it really is the best thing in the world. But there are some people, and there's several of them in Scripture. In, in Acts chapter 9, particularly, it says, in straightway, turn with me, hold on, just a minute, let me get over there so I have a context. Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, verse 20. So, uh, so this is Paul, Saul, and Ananias. In verse 19, it says, And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Now, there's a spot in Galatians where it says Paul took off for about three years to most likely to refigure things out, connect, reconnect all the dots that he had previously connected. 
But this says right after he gets saved. He's a Jewish leader. He's the one everybody's scared of. Why? Because he's going to haul you into prison. Men, women, children, it doesn't matter. You're, you're, you're of that way. You're a Christian. You're cannon fodder as far as I'm concerned. Paul was that guy. Now he gets saved and immediately goes to synagogue and preached in the synagogues, preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the son of God. What a great opportunity. Last verse, Acts chapter 10, verse 29. Acts chapter 10, verse 29. Just talk about the opportunities. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for. I ask, therefore, for what intent have you sent for me? He goes, this is Cornelius. He's meeting with Cornelius, and it's kind of a, a longer context there. But the point being that Paul, after his conversion, said, there's nothing better. Matter of fact, if you're like me, you probably were like, why didn't I know about this earlier? Or you've probably thought this way, why doesn't everybody know this, right? That's what we say, and that's what we work for. We've got scripture publishing, we've got missions, we have visitation, we have encouraging one another, we have one-on-one -on -one witnessing, because we say to ourselves, why doesn't everybody know this? The opportunity to know Christ is... Um, is an unparalleled opportunity to know him and then to serve him. You know, the Bible doesn't have chapters on how to increase wealth. Not against increasing wealth, it's just the Bible doesn't spend any time on it. But it does tell us how to serve. It does tell us that the Holy Spirit of God was given to us that we might serve, that we'd be sanctified, of course, for set apart for special use. So we're, we put off the old man and the things of the world that would hold us down. We put upon ourselves the new man, uh, which is uh, after God in holiness. And, and, the, and we serve. It's just, it is our glory. So if you ever find yourself in the spot where you say, I, I just feel like things aren't clicking. What's our area of service? It might be that God's putting within us that emptiness allowing us to taste it and say, well, what do you want me to do? It's like when Paul met Christ on the road to Damascus, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Immediately went to service. You know, there really is no better thing. I, th there is coming the inevitable, unstoppable judgment seat of Christ. And uh, so where the areas of our service will be made manifest, we, we don't make it manifest here. We're not here for glory, we're not here for public applause by any stretch of the imagination. But boy, on that day, that's when it's going to count. And, uh... We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.